Welcome to Backstage at Upstage, a presentation of Upstage Lung Cancer, which uses the performing arts to raise awareness and funding for lung cancer research. Here's your host, the founder and president of Upstage Lung Cancer, Hilde Grossman. Hi, I'm Hilde Grossman, and we're so excited to have you with us today backstage at Upstage. And here's my good pal, Jordan Rich. Hilde, we are thrilled to have as a guest one of the Boston area's most celebrated and respected TV reporters, Bill Shields. I actually worked with Bill at uh, WBZ TV and radio for many years. And Bill retired in 2021, but before that, he had his run-in with lung cancer, and he's going to share his story. Meanwhile, let's talk about the event in which we'll be honoring Mr. Shields, and here it is. Upstage Lung Cancer is proud to present Laughter is the Best Medicine, Marvelous Music and Merriment, Tuesday, November 15th, 7 p.m. at the Mosesian Center for the Arts in Watertown. It's the first live concert since COVID, with great singers and a fabulous band performing joyful tunes, while featured comedians Jane Condon and Tukey Kavanaugh bring out the laughter. Special guest celebrated TV reporter Bill Shields receives the Upstage Lung Cancer Fan Award. All proceeds support lung cancer research. Get your tickets now for Laughter is the Best Medicine. Visit UpstageLungCancer.org. That's UpstageLungCancer.org. <laughs> I had fun putting that together. Hildy, Bill Shields is here. Take it away. The title for this show could be Journalist Journals His Own Journey. Anyway, it takes a moment. Well, um, it's, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> Full disclosure, I was a smoker for years and then quit. And then ironically, after I quit, oh, you got lung cancer. Well, wait a minute, I quit. Hmm. Yeah, well, not soon enough. <laughs> but wow. that was 10 years ago. And the doctors at Dana-Farber, they're tremendous. They got rid of it with heavy chemo and radiation. And I was fine for 10 years, working out, running, I mean, do, doing everything, skiing. And then uh, last October, I felt something weird and went to my oncologist and a different kind of lung cancer. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm lucky, man. I got, how many people say they got two different kinds of lung oh, cancer? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two. And this one is, uh, I did six rounds of chemo. Finished up a couple of months ago, but the chemo is, stays with you, especially the immunotherapy. The immunotherapy really kicked my butt for a while. I mean, it's a great breakthrough in treatment. However, it's uh, on certain people, it can be tough on you. It'll uh, it'll really go after the lungs and mm. you know and and the and the cancer. But everything's looking real good now. Scans are great. This cancer had metastasized, and it's uh. Very little evidence of any cancer left. So, awesome. and you know, okay. I mean, the, the, those doctors at Dana Farber, you know, it's like it's like they say, cancer is all we do, and and it's true. But I, but I'm going to give a shout out to my wife for 30 years. She, through both instances of cancer, she never left my side, never missed an appointment. Even after I told her, you don't need to go. They're putting the needles in me. And she said, no, I want to be there, you know. Mm. She's she's my my angel on earth, you know. Uh, still a little short-winded here and there. I worked out this morning, and I was sucking wind going, oh, jeez. It's the prednisone again. <laughs> but anyway, I should be off the prednisone soon, so I hope. 
Well, that's good. It sounds like everything's going very well. The the treatments being effective and. Can we talk yeah. about the award that he's getting? This is really cool, right? Uh, yes. so set it up, and then uh, we'll have Bill respond. Believe yes, it or not, you are. yes. <laughs> that's why you're coming to the upstage lung cancer uh, concert. Laughter is the best medicine. I actually, I got a story for you, LD. After my first cancer, and I'll make notes on this before I go up there, but it was uh, my five-year anniversary, and they did the scans, and I'm with my whole team. You know, the same doctors stay at Dana-Farber a long time. I'm with the same team, and we're in the room with my wife, of course, and they're, they're, everybody's high-fiving. Cancer hadn't come back, and that's the golden year, five. They consider you cured. So when all the high fives were over and the laughter, I said, let me ask you guys something. How many people survive stage 3B small cell lung cancer? And they said 17%. And I said, 17%? That's, I, I'm in a small group, yeah. Right. I said, well, nothing to do but keep on laughing. And one of them said, <laughs> your attitude, your laughter, we could always hear you in infusion because you're laughing. They said, that." That's probably 50% of it. And I said, no, come on. And they said, it, it's a big part. People's attitude and a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, if you if you go through this stuff, you better have a sense of humor. Because mm. when, when you come out, you might not. <laughs> that's right. It's real. It's very, very important. And that's how we started to say. So Upstage Lung Cancer is having a concert called Laughter is the Best Medicine. It's coming up soon. And uh, you are our special guest. And we are giving you our special award called the Fan Award. There are lots of meanings for fan. It's a way of moving the air and being a fan, being uh, in favor of someone. But we give the fan award um, to someone who's done something in the arena of either highlighting lung cancer, making people more aware of it, helping people educate themselves about lung cancer. Um, It could be a researcher, it could be a doctor, it can be a patient, it could be a family member. And you join a group, including Jordan, he was one of our fan award winners for for publicly talking about it. our first, um, our first person was uh, Jerry Remy. Our very first year. So again, I think this, yeah, this is the group of people who have an audience because of their own, you know, um, ability to be on television, and you know, people know the name, and people, of course, recognize you as a, a reporter in the field, as you pointed out. Jerry Remy. One of the instances of the biggest feedback I got was when I went on the Jimmy Fund WEEI telethon that Remy's a big was a big part of. And I uh, told my story. We had some laughs. You know, the, the, the sports guys are there, and I know them all, and we're, we're having some fun. But I told my story, and my email just blew up after that with people wanting to know how I was, everything okay. And, and if they donate... To the Jimmy Fund, can it be in my name? And I said, every one of them said, no, no, no. That's in your name. Mm. Do it in your name. It was amazing how you do one little thing and people can be very touched by it. And can, it, it, you know, it strikes me. It's right. it struck, struck a chord with me 10 years ago. It still does. 
allow me to jump in here only because um, Bill and I are colleagues, although we didn't work together. We worked in the same building, you for a little longer than I did, on Soldiers Field Road in Boston or Brighton, call it what you will, legendary uh, radio and TV operation, WBZ. But I remember when you were diagnosed and uh, the fact that everybody was just, well, first of all, shocked because you're so vital and so energetic and all that. It was a constant let's pull for Bill kind of thing. And uh, your colleagues were so excited when you came back. And you came back and, and it looked as though you hadn't missed a step. And you, you went right out there and covering fires and, and demonstrations and all kinds of stuff. So congratulations <laughs> well, you know, Jordan, on that. I, I remember I came back in two months uh, without hair. Uh, and it was one of the coldest days of the winter when I came back. And I'll never forget the story was down to where I am. Uh, next to the water, my photographer and I stood out of the car, and I'd never felt this before, and I assumed that's something to do with the chemo, but I felt like I had a million needles stabbing me in the face. I'd never felt that before, and I looked at him and I said, is my face red or anything? He said, no, but your head's real bald. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But, yeah, I, I just, I still remember it. It was like, I've never experienced it. The needles in the face sort of thing. Yeah, but no one but, would have ever noticed because that's a, the pro that you are. I mean, this, this guy, as you know, Hildy, uh, is intrepid. Well, Just an amazing career. And uh, you started out in Texas, right? Is that where you got your start? Yeah, 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 I grew up in Texas. In fact, I was just there last week. I went down to uh, visits. Uh, there, there's there's eight of us that played high school ball together. And when I say ball in Texas, there's football. That we remained tight all the years, all these years. But there's three of us that go back to the first grade together. And and so I go down there and we, we got together. We had a lot of fun. One of them's got a really beautiful ranch. We went out to the ranch for a couple of days, had a ball. And then I went to my niece's wedding uh, on Lake LBJ near Austin. And so I, I, I did the Texas trip last week, but I, 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 when I wanted to get out of Texas, I, it's funny, Jordan, because I identified cities I thought were interesting. Uh, San Francisco, Denver, New York, and Boston. And when they flew me up to Boston, I, the news director drove me through the back bay and Beacon Hill, bringing me from the airport. And I was like, my mouth was, my jaw was hitting off my seat. I was just <laughs> looking at the history and the old buildings. And I mean, I was sold. They, they could have. They could have got me for less money I was making it. I wasn't making any money in Texas. <laughs> Don't say they it. They might take the money back. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, I still, I haven't forgotten my Texas roots. I still go down there every year. But uh, uh, I, I love New England. I love Boston, you know. Boston loves you, too. I, I really, a lot of people who know that you're going to be appearing at our Upstage Lung Cancer concert, you know, have said they they want to come in and uh, be supportive of you as well as our our own cause. So that's great. And yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. And my 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 youngest son will be here from San Diego. He wants to come. And then I got a bunch of colleagues from BZ who no longer work there, including three of the funniest guys you would ever want to talk to. Uh, they're not comedians, but they are. But they're there's a whole group of them that are coming to this. So it, 
it, it, as long as they don't heckle me. It, it, <laughs> they better not heckle. Every, yeah, everything should be fine. That's great. So when you when you were diagnosed in the first place with lung cancer, how did that? How did you know? You know, how did that happen? My heart started acting up, and I and I was a. Uh, even though I smoked, I was a, uh, I was very athletic. I worked out every day. I ran. And I said, why is my heart feeling weird? And I became short-winded. So I went to a cardiologist at Brigham and Women's. They took a picture. And he called me up and said, your heart's strong as hell, but we see something in the background. And when he said something, I knew, I knew exactly what it was. And what, what happened was the cancer was so pervasive that it had spread out of my lung and it wrapped around a big artery. What is it called? Vena cava, vena cava mm-hmm. that runs up to the heart. It's a right. major artery. And it was strangling that big artery and cutting off blood to my heart. Wow. That's how they found it. That's something. Yeah. As you mentioned, being a smoker, and I think you, you told me that your first lung cancer was small cell lung cancer. Um, I, I get it mixed up. Don't hold me to it. Well, that's the one that's more, the only reason I'm bringing it up is that's the one that's really more associated with smokers, although not 100%. But the good news these days is people who have a long smoking history um, of a certain age, and I believe it's now 50 and older, are able to get a CT scan to see if they can find that lung cancer early. Um, the Medicare will cover it. Insurance companies will cover it. So it's super duper important, but, um, it's always interesting to learn people's stories about how they've discovered their lung cancer. So yeah, that's, that's, mine was a a heart acting up. You know, I, I always thought I was bulletproof. I thought I was invincible. You know, uh, I've been through a lot of surgeries and, you know, orthopedic stuff skiing accidents, car wrecks, and, you know, and I was still here. I thought, well, smoking ain't going to get me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it got me good. Uh, yes. <laughs> I have a question for you, of uh, a professional colleague-to-colleague question. Did this experience, which was certainly life-changing and life-affecting for you and your family, Bill, did this change your approach to doing the job in the field, whether it was uh, developing a sense of additional empathy, or were you able to, to do what so few people can do, and that separate the personal from the professional? No, Jordan, it didn't. Uh, it, I think I continued on the way I always had, trying to be honest and personable with people I'm dealing with. You know, I've always been what I call a I don't call myself a journalist. I call myself a storyteller. And that's kind of what I, how I approached every story was there's a person I'm going to meet and they got a story to tell. And so I, I just treat them with respect and honesty. And, and that's how you, that's how, that's how you get some good stories, but it did. The cancer didn't change my approach at all. Um, and, 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 and every now and then you encounter a smoker and you want to say something, but I kept my mouth shut. Hmm. You know, I didn't. I didn't think it was my place to lecture them uh, about what I'd just been through. But so it didn't really change my approach. It just, I, I still wanted to keep my my humanity about me in situations, especially that are, you know, you know how it is. You you go to it's a terrible tragic story, and you got to go knock on the front door. You know, and ask, 
is there anybody, is there any survivor in the family who wants to speak? Not easy. You have a picture of your deceased relatives. And, oh. and that's the worst thing in the world you have to do as a reporter. Uh, but I always tried to keep my tail tucked between my legs, <laughs> my legs and, uh, and be very polite and very humble. Most of the time it worked. And I just, I continued that. I mean, they're going through the worst moment of their lives and, there's this reporter knocking on their front door. Mm. So uh, it's, it's, it's the worst assignment. <laughs> I, I would just say that uh, I would just, reporter can have. I would just argue with one point. You are a journalist. I know you're a great storyteller, but you're, you're from a stock and a generation of journalists that got it, you know, right as close as they could to the objective side. And I, I think we all appreciate that, uh, Bill. And I, I tried very hard to be, objective uh mm -hmm. you know i i tried very hard i, I was very conscious of it you know part, that, the, i was oh, i didn't mean to interrupt you bill but i was going to no, say that's fine. <laughs> the part i resonate to personally um i'm also a lung cancer survivor um founded by accident and um, was very very fortunate that it was stage 1a i had no symptoms i just slipped on a threshold uh in a doorway and just the whole story is it's the the most bizarre story uh sequence of events ever it's on our website our upstage lung cancer website what i really resonate to is you're talking about in your work as a field reporter under terrible circumstances having to knock on someone's door but seeing each person as a human being it's not just um an interviewee etc and that's very much the way I've approached and Jordan and I approach our podcast series. Um, and that is, you know, people talk about a lung cancer patient and it's, it's, it's like a piece of paper. It's, you know, number 236 or something. But each person who winds up with a diagnosis of lung cancer has their own story. And that's what's so interesting you know, to me, is just hearing a story and knowing it comes in the context of a life. You've talked about being a reporter and how it impacted you um, doing your work and your wife's involvement and her dedication and her loyalty. There's there there are amazing stories. So I've actually, you know, as terrible a diagnosis lung cancer is, I wouldn't really wish it on anyone. I've had some of the most amazing you know, experiences of my life have come through meeting some extraordinary people, you included, um, who have shared their stories and shared um, this desire to, for us, upstage lung cancer, our effort is to find lung cancer as early as possible. That's the research we're doing. So even before a person has symptoms or anything else, we would like to be able to uh, diagnose lung cancer, treat it in a, in a very straightforward way, and extend life. So again, it's about the humanity um, that's so important. So I'm just grateful for your participation in this podcast and being a part of our, um, our laughter is the best medicine, which will wind up eventually on YouTube. Um, so people can <laughs> listen to this and they can see the whole show on YouTube. I'm just very grateful for what instrument do you play vocalist believe it or not with all this throat clearing plays her voice <laughs> oh. <laughs> and bill by the way one more thing from me uh 
your voice is part of your personality on the air, and it was for for decades. And your voice remained strong uh, when I ever watched you. But did you have issues with your throat, with your voice? Uh, was that a sign that you you were in trouble, or did that ever enter into it? It's funny, Jordan, because the, the first go around, they uh, had to radiate me right across my esophagus to the cancer, mm. and they told me that I would likely lose my voice, be unable to eat. I was going to have to go through a feeding tube. Oh gosh! And I said, whatever, you know. None of that happened. <laughs> That's great. You know, I've always said I'm the luckiest person to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, you know, from the time you're in high school, all your buddies got caught. I didn't get caught. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, my voice remained the same. And, and it, it, my wife can detect changes when my breathing, I have steel PD now, thanks to cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not breathing well, my wife detects the change in my voice. Uh, right now it's a little bit changed, but for the most part, you know, it's funny because people recognize my voice more than they do me. <laughs> well, it's I been it's decades of, of hearing you and seeing you. And there, there is one thing about getting older for both of us, those of us in the broadcasting business, Hildy, and that is our original accent sort of pops through. I hear more Texan now than I did when you were on the air, and you can probably hear more Boston than you could uh, earlier. Well, I just got back from Texas <laughs> Sunday night. So. <laughs> but, you know, what's funny was uh, when, I, when I got my first job in TV, it was in Austin. I was still a senior in college, and I got, again, just a lucky stroke. I walked in when I did. Ten minutes either side, I wouldn't have gotten the job. But I got the job as a film processor. Back then, they still shot news film. And I had a little dark room that wasn't really lit up in red like they showed in the movies. It was dark. But after the anchor did his show, I would go retrieve the scripts from the garbage can and go into my little room and try to sound like the anchor to get rid of my, get rid of my, <laughs> you know, I want, I want to sound like a Midwesterner or something. And uh, I wanted a flat accent. And that's kind of how I did it. But what you're hearing now. <laughs> you're just a good old boy now. I'm back from Texas. <laughs> that's so funny. I grew up in Cincinnati, yeah. which yeah. is like Northern Kentucky is part of Cincinnati. And yeah. I, I worked so hard to get rid of my twang, but, and I haven't been back to visit for a while, but anytime I've gone back, I but can hear myself. Twang. You sound like a Midwestern news anchor, Hildy. You're I in good, do. you do, you're in great shape. Bless your heart. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> One of our reporters several years ago, her husband got a great job in Cincinnati huh? doing the play-by-play doing the, play the Bengals. Huh? And they both moved out there. She's no longer reporting, but her name is Peg Lasconi. And he was from there originally. She's not, but she loves living there. So we stay in touch. Oh, that's so great. Bill, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of our podcast this morning. And also um, really looking forward to you joining us um, for Laughter is the Best Medicine. And you're the perfect person because... You've certainly used laughter as medicine for yourself. So <laughs> thanks so well, much. If you, if you got a face like mine, 
Number one, you try to avoid mirrors. But number two, when you do look at it, it when you do look at the mirror, it, it creates humor. To find out how you can join Upstage Lung Cancer in raising awareness and funding to beat lung cancer, visit our website, upstagelungcancer.org. We invite you to subscribe and download our podcast available on all platforms. And we love reviews and ratings. After all, we're showbiz people. There's more entertainment and inspiration to come on the next podcast episode of Backstage at Upstage.